Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we hear the final speech of Moses. We see a new leader arise in Israel, and we see the next generation finally enter the land of Canaan. You're listening to Prism Bible. It's been 40 years. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness outside of the promised land. After failing to enter the land of Canaan, the whole generation that had seen God deliver them from Egyptian slavery all died out in the wilderness. Despite seeing the miraculous leadership of God by the pillar of cloud and fire, despite receiving the manna bread from heaven, despite seeing God descend upon Mount Sinai in smoke and fire, these people wouldn't obey God to enter the land. Signs and miracles, it turns out, don't automatically cause faith and obedience. In the case of the older generation of Israel, no matter how many ways God delivered them from troubles and showed His faithfulness to them, they still resisted and rejected His rule over them. Everyone under the age of 20, when those 40 years of wilderness wandering began, many who were born in the wilderness saw their parents and grandparents die in the wilderness. They heard the stories of God's great deliverance from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the start of the what is it bread from heaven. They imagined what it was like to have seen God come down on Mount Sinai and see Moses come out from the smoke with two tablets of stone with the ten words written on them. These from the younger generation were sad to hear of the rebellion of their parents and grandparents demanding that Moses' brother Aaron make a golden calf as a fake god, and refusing to go into the land of Canaan as God commanded. This is what the new generation grew up with, and the whole time they continued to see in front of them, day after day and night after night, the pillars of cloud and fire by which God was leading them. They also began to practice God's law in earnest as the youngsters from the tribe of Levi saw their fathers and grandfathers perform those ritual sacrifices in the tabernacle tent, while the other children of Israel learned of all those other rules with their basis in the ten words. And now, forty years later, the oldest of the next generation would have grown from youths to as old as sixty years old, determined not to repeat the mistake of their parents. As the time of wandering came to a close, they were itching, to go into the land of Canaan. But before going in, Moses, now at 120 years old, gives a speech to this new generation of Israelites. Moses was one of only three men of the older generation still living, the other two being the spies who had bravely told the people to enter the land 40 years prior, Joshua and Caleb. And here in this speech, Moses is giving final instructions and encouragement to the people of Israel. This speech of Moses essentially encompasses the whole of the book of Deuteronomy, and his speech is in accordance with the book's title. Deuteronomy essentially means second law. Not that God gave a second law in the book, but rather that this is the same law being told for a second time to a new generation. Moses wants to ensure that this new generation understands their duties and responsibilities as they enter the land. Moses gives this lengthy speech, and he ends it with a stark warning. 
in a section that many call the blessings and the curses of the law. It's here that Moses talks about the great benefits that will come to the people as they obey the law that God gave them and the land that God gave them. And it's here that Moses talks about the truly awful curses that will befall the people if they forget the law and reject God's rule over them in the land. These curses include something we should note. Moses says this, If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law which are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, Yahweh your God, he will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary disasters, severe and lasting plagues, and terrible and chronic sicknesses. He will afflict you again with all the diseases you dreaded in Egypt, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring upon you every sickness and plague not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. You who were as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left few in number because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and multiply, so also it will please him to annihilate you and destroy you. And you will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among the nations from one end of the earth to the other. And there you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. God announces great judgment if these people forget the law and don't obey the rules that God gave to Israel. Cursing that includes disease, sickness, destruction, depopulation, and all this capped off with expulsion from the land of Canaan. The possession of the land then was largely conditioned upon obeying the law. And when they were expelled from the land, they would know exactly the reason why. They'd forgotten and disobeyed the law that God gave them. Obedience would bring blessing in the land. Disobedience would bring cursing away from the land. And sadly, before the end of his speech, Moses tells the people that they eventually will indeed be cast from the land. They will forget. They will disobey. Eventually, the people of Israel will be exiled into other nations and scattered abroad. The law wouldn't ultimately be obeyed by Israel, and some future generation would suffer exile away from the land long ago promised to the fathers. Soon Moses ends his speech. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, so that I may commission him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. Then the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land that I swore to give them, and I will be with you. Joshua, one of the two faithful spies who had gone into the land forty years prior, would now lead the people into the land as God himself would drive out the inhabitants there from before the Israelites. This was it. The time had come, after not just 40 years of wandering, but over 400 years since Abraham was first promised the land of Canaan in the Abrahamic covenant. They were finally entering the land, and God would be with them. As they enter the land, God demonstrates his power to this new generation in three notable ways. The first example of this is when the people actually enter the land itself. To enter, they had to cross the Jordan River, 
and God stops the flowing of the Jordan River so that the people can cross over the river on dry ground. This is a clear echo of God's deliverance of Israel at the Red Sea. Like God saying again, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God was showing that he was with his people, not only back at the Red Sea, but here at the Jordan River. A second example of God showing his power is in an appearance to Joshua, the new leader of Israel, just before the Israelites start their first battle for the land. Now when Joshua was near the city of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as the commander of the Lord's army. We see in this brief encounter that God and his armies are with the Israelites. The physical realm of this world would be at battle, and the spiritual army of God would be at battle as well. God is on his own side, and the people of Israel, as they're led by Joshua, are on God's side as well. Finally, we see a third example of God's power as they take the city of Jericho, a fortified city with an impenetrable wall. Jericho was shut up tightly because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, Behold, I have delivered Jericho into your hand, along with its king and its mighty men of valor. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the ark. Then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the horns. And when there is a long blast of the ram's horn and you hear its sound, have all the people give a mighty shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and all your people will charge straight into the city. God shows his power in this. Just as he said to Joshua, the city's defeat occurs. On the seventh day of their marching, upon the blow of the trumpets and the shout of the people, God causes the walls of the city to fall down flat, and battle commences where the Israelites overtake the city. Jericho becomes the first city conquered in the fight for the land of Canaan. God had shown once again that he is with his people. And yet, even as the nation of Israel has come into their land, the disobedience that Moses predicted already begins. As the people are basking in victory over their enemies, one of the Israelites is tempted. God said that as the people defeated Jericho that they should not take the plunder. But tempted by the glittering gold and silver, a man takes in secret what should have been destroyed. Join us next time as we see the deathly results of this secret sin. God is serious about his commands and won't overlook even those sins in secret. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.